It's the Nahum Siegel Network, and it's the OU Jewish Reaction Program. Thank you for tuning in, for being part of this experience every single week. I uh, remind everybody that our social media is a, a wonderful uh, a wonderful way to stay in touch with what's happening here at the network on Facebook. Our Facebook update page is entitled the Nahum Siegel Network. Make sure to like the page, and of course on Twitter at Nahum Siegel Net, Instagram Nahum Siegel Network. Be up to date on everything that's going on, and follow us. As we go through the adventure of the year five seven seven six here um, at NSN, um, the OU Jewish Reaction Program, and today we welcome uh, Rabbi Judah Isaacs. Rabbi Judah Isaacs has one of the most uh, interesting jobs, I believe. He is the uh, director of community engagement for the OU. He is, and if I'm wrong, he'll tell us in direct contact with hundreds of uh, communities and synagogues around the country that are doing some interesting things. And for those of us who are here in the New York area, and things are sometimes a little bit more standard, maybe, uh, I'm sure he has some uh, interesting tales to tell from outside this area about communities that are doing unique things. Rabbi Judah Isaacs, welcome back to the Nahum Siegel Network. Thank you, Nahum. Am I right or wrong about the uh, New York out-of-town thing? Are they a lot more interesting outside this area? There are interesting things happening everywhere. <laughs> but yes, there are interesting things happening outside of New York, too. Uh, tell me what the Director of Community Engagement does. The Director of Community Engagement oversees a group of staff and works directly with congregations and uh, works on community programs to help congregations strengthen themselves uh, in business, in membership retention, and as you know, one of the most important things that we do is every other year we run a community fair to allow people who live in this metropolitan area to at least explore and identify communities that are uh, more affordable, both in the New York metropolitan area and beyond. And Baruch Hashem, we've seen people move as a result of the fair and really learn about communities. Which communities really benefited last time around? Is there one that grew by three, four families because of what you did? Uh, Memphis did extremely well. Really? Yeah, was probably one of the big, bigger winners this time around. Mm. But uh, a number of communities have seen growth, and we've talked to communities that have even told us that like Denver didn't participate this year, they participated the year two years before, and said people are still coming to them remembering when they came at the fair. Very interesting. So we see there's a long-term impact. Uh, what does membership retention mean? I mean, I don't know what the term means, but it must be a difficult thing to teach to a uh, you know to a shul later lay leadership of how to retain members and you know right. make make life nice enough and peaceful enough for them to stay in the shul and in the community. Right. I think that what we try to do is really figure out what kind of programming do you have. Do you have successful youth programming? We feel youth programming is probably one of the key things that's important for communal and synagogue growth. Um, If your membership doesn't have young kids, then do you have strong adult programming? Do you have programming for retirees? And we really try to focus on what aspect of the shul um, needs the most focus and how the shuls can be the best at providing for their membership. Hmm. So every age group's got to be taken care of, otherwise you start losing people, frankly. Absolutely. Uh, is there any type of event or any type of, uh, I don't know, program that's very hot these days? We always hear about different fundraising events that are, you know, start to dominate the news and seems to be the trend. Um, you know, maybe some of the marathons would be a good example these days of people running for a cause and things like that. Are there any specific shul events that are taking over the calendar and, you know, really representing something different that people are doing now in 2015? I, I, I think that it's really local and it really depends on the shul. There's some exciting things happening 
just as an example, Thanksgiving's coming up. So in Boca Raton, they have something called the Hodu Bowl, where they have all different members of their congregation have a sports event that raises money for tzedakah. Um, and from the youngest kids to adults, there are different leagues. They play in a park on Thanksgiving morning and have an entire uh, morning devoted, A, to sports, but also to raising money for tzedakah. Um, we have some other communities that do something called Project Thanks that started in Allentown, Pennsylvania, which is a way to thank firefighters uh, or policemen and making meals for those that are working on Thanksgiving. So, um, you know, at each time of year, there's some interesting things happening. Hmm. Very nice, I'll tell you. I didn't realize Thanksgiving is so many, so many takeoffs that you could have yes. on the thanks theme and on the turkey theme and I guess on the football theme as well. Uh, Rabbi Judah Isaacs is with us, Director of Community Engagement at the OU. When we, What was your aha moment where you couldn't believe what was going on in a specific community maybe early on in your tenure in this job? I don't know if you get to travel in this job or not. Do you actually visit these places? Are you just simply on the phone and computer with places uh, you know, uh, during I these? I do both. Um, but, you know, I think that, you know, there were a lot of aha moments, but I think sometimes it's an aha. I can't believe that the synagogues are running the way they're running. Right. And there are, you know, more effective ways that they could be doing things. And there are other times when I really see things that are just, you know, really beautiful, that really bring the community together, that, um, you know, we share a lot. We have an online resource bank for synagogue leadership um, to really share the best programs and the best things that are happening around the country. Where were you most recently? Where was I most recently? Uh, I Most recently, I've been in this area. I will be in Atlanta next week. Hmm. What do you expect to find there? Uh, Atlanta, thank God, is a growing community. Um, there are a lot of good things happening. We're having our annual executive directors conference at two of the shuls there, at the Young Israel of Toco Hills and at uh, Beth Jacob of Atlanta, Rabbi Feldman and Rabbi Starr, respectively. Um, but uh, I've been working with both shuls, and both shuls have really – they're – about a few blocks from each other, but both have been complementary, working together to really strengthen the Atlanta Jewish community. And that'll take um, uh, that that will uh, attract people from outside of Atlanta. I mean, there'll be executive directors from other areas. Yeah, there are about a little under thirty-five executive directors coming from uh, throughout the U.S. Uh, so, I mean, we talked about membership retention, but you also alluded to other areas that uh, you know that schools need to that some of the schools, some of the synagogues out there need to improve on. Um, what are the biggest mistakes? What are the things that, uh, you know, that you discover and you hear about from these executive directors that, you know, need to be corrected in order for schools to run properly? Well, I think one of the things we're working on, and this is true of any organization, is financial transparency. Our biggest schools are, are doing annual reports now, but we even talked to some of our smaller schools about just even having a part chart, a pie chart in terms of where the money's going. Um, I think it's important today with people's dollars not there. You know, we used to have people that wrote a check to the shul regardless. Right. Um, the younger generation today, I think, really wants to make sure they know the dollars are being spent in the best way possible. Right. And uh, I think the shuls really have to be much more transparent in terms of how they convey, how they're using their money and what they're doing with it. All right. So that would be, I guess, uh, one, you know, financially, uh, uh, financial organizational skill. What about right. what about the use of the money? Not just being transparent about how it's used, but recommending to synagogues how they are using their money and how they could save if they do. Certain, I assume there's some methods that they could save. If they do th- things a certain way. Yeah, uh, you know, we do we do share among synagogues ways that they can save money. You know, especially by you know some group purchasing and some other things, and we're working on a on a variety of things for them. But that you know, many schools are with executive directors are tuned to those kind of things. Uh, but we also talk about how many dollars are you spending on youth. Sometimes you have to spend money to make money, and sometimes for a school board that's very difficult. Yeah. I think one of the greatest challenges that we have is that 
uh, people who have great businesses and other things, somehow when they get into a shul board meeting, forget all of that. Um, and so we really try to work with shul boards on really thinking about the business principles they use in their everyday life to really apply them to the shul. It's a little hard because people get very attached to their shul. Yeah, that's and the way sure. things should run. And what about when these special projects start, like uh, when there's you know time for expansion or renovation, or when there's a uh... Uh, you know, a, a question in the community about what the next building should be or what the next program should be. All those are, you know, they, they could lead to some very intense discussions. Absolutely. And one of the things that I think we're very successful at is when shuls are about to embark on that kind of endeavor to really talk to some shuls that have done it and really learn from the mistakes and the and the ways that they should do it. I mean, I just spoke to a synagogue president who is looking to revamp his youth programming and was really able to give them some very concrete examples and some also some shuls to talk to and individuals to talk to who could really help them sort of revamp revamp that program and not make the mistakes that other shuls have made. Rabbi Judah Isaacs is with us. We talk about uh, synagogues. He is the uh, Director of Community Engagement at the OU and speaks with uh, people from hundreds of synagogues around the country and communities that he visits and speaks to on a regular basis. Um, obviously, you don't know everything, and uh, and and we and we know that uh, I know there's so many specialized areas these days. Are there people at the OU that go ahead and step in when people need when uh, synagogues around the country need recommendations about youth programming and even some of the fiscal things you're talking about? I mean, are there people who specifically are assigned to step in and and give some of their expertise on these issues, especially those who've done it already in a different city? Right. So we we do have a variety of consultants, and we do have some past presidents who are part of a network that help us out. Um, We have begun this year to to start a regional model. So we've always had a West Coast office. We now have a uh, Southeast regional office based in Boca, uh, and we're also – we just hired somebody to work in Manhattan – the Bronx, Westchester, and Stanford, Connecticut. We're hiring somebody soon to work in New Jersey, Rockland. Um, so we're beginning where the shuls have the greatest, where we have the greatest number of shuls to hire regional representatives who will start to really work one-on-one with a lot of shuls. And specialized area would include uh, the youth. Obviously, that's a very important one. Correct. But I guess adult education will be one of them as well, right? And some Correct. of the things you mentioned earlier, all those have experts that can that can guide people. I'm sure you're aware that, uh, I mean, it's really, some would say it's in your backyard, but obviously Manhattan is never considered like that. Uh, on the island of Manhattan, what's going on in some of the synagogues is remarkable in terms of the uh, the growth and the programming. And uh, we, we spoke just the uh, the other week this, uh, to, um, to somebody who's uh, uh, coordinating a revival of a synagogue in Washington Heights. And there's so many other areas right here in New York that are going through what traditionally we thought only out-of-town synagogues go through. Absolutely. And there's, you know, interestingly enough, with there are a lot of Svartim that have come into Manhattan, mm. um, and there are people who have moved here from France. So there's there are interesting things happening, especially in the Svarti community on the west side, the east side, um, and also in, like, around the NYU area. Right. So, uh, yes, there is a lot of things happening, even in Manhattan, um, that people sometimes are amazed, you know, in addition to our traditional shuls doing some very creative things. Rabbi Judah Isaacs is with us, Director of Community Engagement at the Orthodox Union, as we talk about communities around the country and uh, different programs that are available. What should people do, especially if uh, somebody is in the lay leadership, a board member, etc., and wants to get more involved in taking advantage of your resource? How do they get ahead and uh, contact you in your office? So uh, they can call me, and then we, you know, I can help direct them to the right place. It's uh, 
Um, if you go to ou.org slash community, um, you'll see our synagogue services resource bank and some other resources that are available to synagogues. We have a lot, especially of youth resources, but we also have sample contracts and a variety of other things that are available for shuls. Have uh, any of the computer programs that have been, I don't know, over the last 20 years, um, you know, become uh, known, have any of them been effective in really helping a shul you know, get computerized and technologically savvy and keep track of things in a much better fashion than the old days? So um, we worked actually with UJA Federation in New York and the Reform the Conservative Movement to hire an independent uh, uh, nonprofit called Idealware, um, and they took a look at all of the synagogue operating uh, computer programs that exist um, and evaluated them sort of like you would with Consumer Reports, told right. you about their good and their bad, um, and that's available online to people, and uh, we've given it to a lot of schools, and it's really helped them make a decision. But computers are definitely helping a lot. Um, one of our largest synagogues, KJ in Manhattan, just went completely computerized uh, for its membership. It's been a learning curve for people, but uh, everything now is done online for people who are used to doing things in a different kind of way. But today you can pay, in most schools, you can pay your bills online, you can register for programs online, um, and you can have a resource, you know, a directory of all the shul members, and everything is really available online. So I think shuls are taking a lot more advantage of it. OU.org slash community gets the information on all of this. You can call 212-613-8336, 212 is there anything that's come across your desk in the last few months, a community that you couldn't believe actually has a synagogue or somewhere in the United States that uh, you know that did not come to the uh, community fair because they weren't big enough or may not even have known about it, but now all of a sudden they're on the map? Uh, we're trying to identify them. I haven't found any yet. We know which states haven't had any yet. I'm waiting for Hawaii and Alaska to join the OU, but they haven't yet because then I'll take a trip. But uh we, I think we have a pretty good handle on shuls, though, with our regional representatives already, even in South Florida, they were able to identify some shuls that we weren't aware of. Hmm, interesting. And you're probably hoping for Hawaii and before Alaska, I would bet. <laughs> Either one. I heard both are beautiful. The other 48 states? No, you don't have affiliates no. in all 48 states. No. Uh, we do not have all 48 states. But it's close, I would guess. It's close. Oh, yeah, boy. All right, Rabbi Judah Isaacs, Director of Community Engagement at the OU. Thank you very, very much. A lot of good information out there. Any synagogues that need to contact you and take advantage of the services, it's uh, ou.org slash community, ou.org slash community, or 212-613-8336. Anything you'd like to add? That's it. Thanks a lot, Nachum. Pleasure. Thank you very much. OU Jewish Reaction Program continues. You are listening to the Nachum Siegel Network.
It's Eitan Katz. want to thank everybody, Judah Isaacs, who uh, was with us earlier, Director of Community Engagement at the Orthodox Union. You're listening to the OU Jewish Reaction Program. This is the Nachum Siegel Network. Uh, make sure to like our Facebook update page, Nachum Siegel Network, and, of course, uh, follow us on Twitter at Nachum Siegel Net. Um, earlier this week, we had an opportunity to uh, speak to our Barry Gelman. Our Barry Gelman, uh, for the last 13 years, is the rabbi at United Orthodox Synagogues in uh, Houston, Texas. We were down in Houston, you may recall, in early July. And uh, he presided over his uh, worst episode of uh, of rain and storms during the, um, the worst during his tenure, during the Shavuos slash Memorial Day storm that took place in Houston that displaced many families, destroyed homes, and uh, did bring out the best in a lot of people. In fact, his own synagogue was was um, suffered a lot of damage, and a big community effort has has gone on that has helped the synagogue rebound. Anyway, our conversation with our Barry Gelman, United Orthodox Synagogues, Houston, Texas. Uh, here it is for you at the OU Jewish Reaction Program. OU Jewish Reaction Program here at the Nachum Siegel Network, and as we talk about the uh, topic of rebuilding communities. Uh, we had the opportunity to visit Houston, Texas back in July after the uh, Shavuos slash Memorial Day storm that uh, really left its mark on the Jewish community down there. With us via telephone is the rabbi of United Orthodox Synagogues down in Houston, Texas. It's Rabbi Barry Gelman. Rabbi Gelman, welcome back to the Nahum Siegel Network. Hi. Thanks. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. I appreciate that. Good to have you here. It's now the month of November, so it's been a while since we've been to Houston. You could give us a much uh, more comprehensive uh, uh, discussion about what's going on down there over the last few months. How would you describe the community and how it's uh, been rebounding from what happened back around Shavuos time? I would uh, I would characterize the community as uh, as very very strong and uh, resourceful in terms of uh, our rebuilding. We've definitely moved on to to a different stage. Uh, for the most part, you know, not everyone deals with this the same way. And, of course, we're dealing with, you know, individuals who, who have to figure out what to do with their own homes as well as our congregation in terms of what we're going to do regarding the shul. Uh, so, uh, but for the most part, people are, are uh, moving ahead, looking forward. Uh, many, many families are living in apartments uh, nearby the shul while uh, either uh, they complete uh, restoration on their house uh, that they're going to be able to move back into some some with the you know very soon some have moved in already uh, others uh, have knocked down their homes and are soon going to begin construction on on brand new homes others have not yet made a decision and the home still sits sort of in the dried out condition from uh, right after right after the flood wow so that's sort of the scope of what's going on in terms of uh, of individuals is is it generally and i know that people are different obviously and people are in different situations but is there a general atmosphere in the community of of greater hope and a more positive attitude than right after when things happened uh, uh how would you describe the general mood in the community well you know the distance certainly helps uh and that everything has dried out and the homes uh, are uh, again getting back to normal definitely changes definitely changes the mood there's definitely been a mood shift uh, we're celebrating well we, we were able to be back in the shul uh, main shul the main sanctuary for the yamim noraim and the chagim 
that was that was a really big lift uh, for us, a sense of normalcy, even as we're not quite sure what we're going to do with the shul, but just being back in that room was a big lift. Uh, and so there's, uh, there's a sense of, of moving forward, and uh, many families have decided that they are simply not going to allow this to happen to them again, so they are going to lift their homes or build new homes. Other families who, for various reasons, are, 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 are not doing that, they're putting their homes back together, and they'll be back in, and they're happy with the way that that process is turning out. I will add one other point, that while many of us are living in apartments, there are still some families, even since the Shavuos Memorial Day flood, who are living with other families still all this time. Families have kept their homes open uh, while, while work is being done, so, so families can avoid the cost of both paying a mortgage and rent. Unbelievable. Uh, those, really those, is. those are real Jewish heroes, taking in people who are in need like that. My gosh. Rabbi Barry Gelman is with us, United Orthodox Synagogue down in Houston, Texas. Um, it's funny, and not funny, it's interesting because you mentioned getting back for the high holidays into the main sanctuary of your own shul. That was something in July that I think was a massive question mark. Nobody knew what would happen if you'd ever be using that room again. And I understand that it was uh, uh, certainly a comforting feeling being back in it. Um, was that decision made shortly after our visit? Was that something that uh, all of a sudden the community decided to band together and move straight ahead with, uh, you know, at some point during the summer? It was a, it was a huge question because the shul had a lot of water in it and we had to tear out all of the sheetrock from the entire building under the four foot mark and the, the, the carpet and the permanent seating in the shul had, and, and the flooring in the school wing had to be torn up. Uh, but at, at a certain point, we made a decision that for, for, for the good of the community, in terms of our ability to, to try to move ahead, we don't, you know, you don't want to force anyone, but f- to give this, you know, symbolic move ahead, uh, we decided to get back into the main shul for the Yom, Yom Nuram, which really meant a her- Herculean effort on the part of the lay leaders who, who, uh, spearheaded that effort to get new carpet in, to, uh, buy 400 uh, chairs uh, and have them, you know, the chairs came in in pieces. They had to be assembled. It was really a sight to see 400 chairs being assembled in our lobby by our crew and by other crew that we brought in and to get the carpet in. And, and uh, it, was, it really was a Herculean effort, but it was, I would, I would think everyone would agree it was 100% worth the effort uh, because being in there for that first night of Rosh Hashanah, which was when we opened up the, that main side of the building for the first time since the flood. Uh, it, 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 you know, symbol, it just removed a weight from everyone's shoulder. One of the pieces of uncertainty w- 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 was gone, and, and the sense was that, wow, we could, we could move ahead as, as slow as it's going to be, as long as it's going to take, as, as difficult as it was, and, it, and, and for many families uh, still is. Uh, that sort of sent a message that we could we could see we could see forward. Are Shabbat services still being held there in the main sanctuary? Yeah. So you know, once we put it back together, uh, it's not a hundred percent. You know, we haven't painted every nook and cranny and haven't finished the trim on everything because we're still considering what to do. Uh, many many people would like to build a new building on our campus, which would be built in an elevated way so that we would not flood again. And the feeling is that if this happens again, the shul wants to be in a position to not have to spend any time worrying about our shul building, just to be able to help others, to 100% be able to focus on others. We did a great job helping others, 
But some of our manpower and some of our energy needed to be focused on what to do with this building. We don't want to be in that position again. We want to be 100% ready to give all of our focus and efforts on, on people who may be, God forbid, in this position again. So many people want to build a new building, uh, which will suit our community better in terms of how we've developed over the years. Uh, and that's something which we are, we're, actively, we're actively working on. Uh, but right now, we are in the main sanctuary, business as usual, our uh, youth programming, our B'nai Akiva programming, our smachot are going uh, full force, and uh, we're back up and running all of our classes, and uh, it's, really, it's really remarkable. All right, Barry Gelman is with us. How many years have you been in Houston? Uh, Thirteen. That was my thirteenth uh, uh, set of Yamim Noram and Chagim that we just passed. And is any my thirteenth year? Did any weather event come close to the one that you suffered from uh, Shavuos time? Well, not since I've been here. That was uh, certainly by far the worst. There was Allison, which I believe was in two thousand and two, before I got here. Although I have to tell you that two weeks ago uh, there was heavy, heavy rain. And the bayous were getting close to being over overrun again. Uh, and in another recent storm, a number of people lost cars because the um, the the streets did not drain. Uh, so we some people were very very nervous that, particularly those who had just redone their homes, were mm. just about finished, were going to flood again. But thank God everything held up. It didn't rain as much as they were expected and. Uh, so, you know, I think a lot of people are um, a little gun-shy, I guess is the term, and shell-shocked. So whenever it rains now, people are a little bit nervous, um, but so far, so good. Yeah. We, we've been okay. We heard about that uh, massive rain that you're referring to, and I, I spoke to somebody down in Houston just to find out what was going on. I was thrilled to hear that things were, you know, much better than it could have been. Uh, but even we, thousands of miles away, we, we start thinking of people in the community who, uh, you know, who we had met. Uh, who are who are probably just you know in a state of complete fear, uh, not knowing what the weather's going to bring. I know that uh, right. he, here recently we had the uh, threat of a hurricane because the uh, you know we're in the aftermath three years later of Superstorm Sandy, and I know everybody, yes. everybody was on edge. I can only imagine how people were on edge down there uh, during that uh, uh, during the reports that there was a heavy rain on the way. Uh, well, Rabbi Barry Gelman, uh, continued success. Rebuilding Houston is not an easy task. I'm sure you, in a leadership role, have uh, <laughs> will admit that, uh, you know, firsthand. Uh, but a remarkable job, and the best part of it is the uh, is the incredible chesed, the incredible outreach that's being done one family to another in so many different cases. I'm sure you have a million stories like yeah. that, and they're really wonderful stories. That is true. They are all great stories. Each one of them, in and of themselves, is remarkable. Put them together, it's something which you know perhaps is unprecedented. Uh, and uh, it's something that we are really, really proud of. And, and before before we uh, we close, I also want to I want to thank you, Nachum, for coming here, for bringing attention to what was going on, for continuing to care and to follow up. It really is a great uh, manifestation of Kol Yisrael Arevim Zebazeh that we really are one big family, and uh, we really care about each other, no matter how far away we are. And that's a really important message these days, and I really, really appreciate it. Well, I thank you for that. It's an important message for us, and whatever we could do, uh, we will do. Thanks you so much, Rabbi Barry Gelman. Best regards, everybody in Houston, Texas. Thanks for having me. A All pleasure. the best. There he is, Rabbi Barry Gelman, United Orthodox Synagogue in uh, Houston, Texas, and um, you are listening to the uh, OU Jewish Reaction Program right here at the Nahum Siegel Network.
Simcha Liner together from Project Relax. You've been listening to the uh, you've been listening to the OU Jewish Reaction Program here at the Nachum Siegel Network. I thank you for tuning in. Stay tuned for more great programming all through the day at the Nachum Siegel Network, NachumSiegel.com, and of course on the NSN app. The NSN app gives you the chance to comment on anything that you hear uh, right there on the home screen of our app, and I certainly hope you'll take advantage of that. The download, install the NSN app for Android and uh, iPhone, and do it immediately. Just search Nachum Siegel Network. I thank you for listening to the OU Jewish Reaction Program. This is NSN, the Nahum Siegel Network.